1: Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first
2: card at Moonpig.com.
3: Moonpig.com
2: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
4: This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Hey guys, it's Candace
3: and Kayla, and we are directionally challenged. Yep, we thought we'd have it all figured
4: out by the time we were in our 30s, but surprise, we don't. No, we don't. (laughs) No. And here we are, though, in our 30s in a pandemic. A year later, a year later, it's been over a year now since we've been in this global pandemic and we're still just trying to figure it out, you know? I know. Candace, how are you doing through all this? Um, well, through all this is that that's a mu- that'll take up the whole episode today. <laughs> but today I'm actually doing pretty good. You know, for me now reflecting a year later back on where we were in March of 2020, It's interesting. I had this conversation with my husband, Joe, and I actually was not in a like super great place at the start of 2020. My priorities were out of whack. I had just started seeing a therapist because I had realized that I just was unhappy about certain things that I felt were out of my control and navigating things within my own control and then the pandemic happened. And so we immediately went to, we'd only met once and then immediately just went to phone calls for our therapy. And I was really grateful that I had met her right before the shutdown because I continued to work with her because I would find out that I was pregnant and, um, and that was stressful with the pandemic and learning how to, remind myself, honestly, to take consideration that it's not just my experience going through a pandemic. It was taking into consideration what my husband was feeling, what my five-year-old was feeling, what my stepdaughters were feeling as teenagers. You know, I, I think I've mentioned it a few times on this podcast that before my husband and I moved in together and really, truly finally brought all of our family under one roof four years ago, I had always lived by myself. So not only, you know, our running joke is we got married, we had a baby, and then we finally moved in together with our blended family when we moved to L.A. And so uh, just realizing how much of those, like those habits of my own, just like really just kind of considering what I needed and what I was going through and having to reframe that as like, oh, no, this is like a whole family and I have to consider everyone else's experience. And how I just wasn't in that place a year ago. And here Mm -hmm. I am a year later, you know, a year later. And I feel way more in tune with my family, within my marriage, you know, as a mother, as a creative, I feel way more in tune. You know, we've talked, you know, Melissa, you're on as well, just listening. But the three of us have talked about how happy, like how proud we are of these episodes that we've created within, you know, the parameters of doing this on zoom, but we're actually like really inspired more, even more now by, Mm -hmm. you know, what we've created in this past year. So I'm surprised a little over a year later to say that I'm like really proud to reflect back on the growth on my own personal growth. So that's where I am today. Kayla, where are you at today? How are you today?
3: Yeah, it's interesting. You're right. The question, how are you today and how are you are so different because it has been a full year. And even as you you're speaking about your experience, I'm realizing what a roller coaster mine has been. Poppy was six months when this pandemic hit. She's now a year and six months, a little over that. And for me, I think the struggle has been realizing how much of my um quite honestly, I felt depressed. Um, through the beginning of the pandemic, I'm sure most of you listening relate to this and feel exactly the same. How much of that depression stemmed from being a first-time mom? How much of that depression stemmed from being in a pandemic and not knowing which was which and trying to figure it out? And now that there's hope and we see light at the end of the tunnel with the vaccines, I'm realizing most of it was from the pandemic, but the fear of not knowing how much did stem from like becoming a new mom and not knowing who I was within that role. Um, So I do feel like in our family, and then to add on top of that, we moved into a new house. So there was a lot of big changes right as everything hit. And so now that the dust has settled, I feel like we are finally in a groove, but figuring out who we are as a family and who we are as individuals within all that has been Quite the roller coaster ride, and I can say today, even this morning, we just woke up, and and both Tanner and I said, "Oh, how grateful we are just to be in our home, to be with our family, and realizing that it really is just about the little things. It's about the simple things, the sun on our face, being able to walk outside and do whatever it is we want to do, and feel yeah, just about appreciating the little things. When you know the busyness of life before all this was the priority, it felt like that took over who we were."
4: Yeah. How many episodes did we have talking about just how obsessed we were with this idea of being busy? Right. You know, and how, (laughs) how ridiculous that sounds now. And I mean, yeah, looking back, it's where I was at a year ago was my entire self-worth was wrapped up in things that really don't matter to me, like that are not at the, they matter to a certain extent, but it's not the forefront of my life. You know, my identity is not, um my work and my identity is not uh what other people think about me and, and when I say other people I mean people who are not on like my short uh, are not on my pod you know my pandemic right. pod list you <laughs> right. know what I mean like I was wasting so much time on um things now that I just I are, are kind of laughable to me that that's what I was spending all my time worrying about. And I was missing so many wonderful things that were right there in front of me. And that's what I'm excited for in seeing the light. You know, we are a year later, we do have vaccines, you know, are being distributed at a higher rate. Um, you know, we're, we're getting there. And, and so I, I think that the excitement is for me personally is this kind of personal growth that I'm excited to apply to what life is going to become and what it's going to look like. But I remember, you know, you and I have talked so many times in where you were saying as a new mom during this experience during the pandemic, just saying, is this me? Like, why is this so hard? Other people have done this, other people have reared children. Every you all have kids. Like, why is this feeling so hard? And how many times did I say, yeah, but I didn't have a one and a half year old or a one year old during a pandemic? Like right. you were isolated. Like it was it was a completely different experience, you know? And it's gonna be interesting in the future, looking back, you know, in the event of having more kids. If you're going to look back and be like, wow, and find and like see that difference of uh, what it was like to be a first time mom during a pandemic versus a first time mom who's more concerned about like mommy and me dance class, you know, and like who's (laughs) bringing coffee to the library because that's what it you know, that's what it kind of more often is like when you're um, a first time mom. It's more about like don't eat the sand on the playground as opposed to like I can't leave my house because there's a deadly virus. It globally, you know that 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 no one has control over. Wow, just saying it out loud is still just um, feels like we're you know in a sci-fi movie. <laughs> I mean, we are essentially living in a sci-fi movie. Still, we're a year
3: in, and that's why I'm so excited to sit down with our guest today, Vanessa Gurelkin, to discuss coping with the pandemic a year into quarantine. Vanessa is an occupational therapist with specialty certifications in lymphedema and mindfulness-based stress reduction. She received her master's degree from New York University and is committed to applying her over 25 years of medical experience to assist with healing and helping individuals embrace their full life and manage their wellness throughout this unprecedented pandemic. I cannot think of anyone else better well equipped to talk about this. So, without further ado, here's our interview with Vanessa Gorelkin.
4: Guys, we're here. <laughs> we're doing it. Are we
3: here? Are we here? Are we? Where are we? <laughs> Vanessa Geralkin, we are so excited to have you here. How are you doing today? I'm
5: great today. I really, I love to talk with new people and uh, spread the message of surviving the pandemic and maybe a little thriving in there. So I'm really delighted to talk to you guys today. Thank you for having me. We're
3: so happy that you're here and um, happy to jump right in. I mean, the truth is when we ask everyone how they're doing, Usually the typical answer is good, great, fine. But what we're here to discuss is, is that really the case? Because we have now come up with this term pandemic fine. And Candace has a really great definition
4: for it. Candace, can you share yeah. I was talking with a friend over the weekend and I asked her, as we all do when we're catching up on the phone or FaceTime, like, how are you? Or via text. And she said, um, I'm pandemic fine. And I was like, what is... I need to know what this definition is because this feels like I need to be saying this from now on. Um, And she said that the definition of pandemic fine, which is a real term being used right now, is a state of being in which you are employed and healthy during a pandemic, but you're also tired and depressed and feel like trash all the time. (laughs) So it's, it's for when you find yourself in a position where you're like, okay, I am okay. Like my health is fine. You know, thank goodness for those who are lucky enough who have a job and who are able to say that they're working, um, but who still are not fine because we're all just getting by emotionally one way or another through this pandemic, like even in the best of circumstances. And so pandemic fine is my new response that I'm I'm really interested in. (laughs) I don't know
5: if you've heard this. I'm not a person who is big into tell me everything that's great today. It's just not my style. Uh, I prefer to kind of look at the bright side if I can or find a silver lining. And one of the silver linings that has come out of the pandemic has been that people are really getting more verbal about their mental health, being honest about how they're feeling, having new experiences with their mental health and actually learning how to interact with other people around their own struggles with a little bit more honesty, if if we were to be kind of real about that. Right. We're
4: taking down the facade. No, that's exactly what I was going to say. I feel like conversations are much more, um, it, It's it feels less vulnerable to be truthful in how you are in any sort of present state, um, I found, as opposed to like, everything's good, you know, all, all good. People are saying, actually... I'm really struggling um, with my kids on distance learning right now, you know, and it's really hard and, and we're just struggling with that as a family or, you know, we're struggling being just in a house together and within our marriage and just not Knowing how to communicate because we've over communicated at this point, like mm-hmm. the conversations that would usually be saved for maybe like the second or third bottle of wine are just like finally being opened up about, you know, in the middle of the day, like just heart open, like, hey, this is what's really going on. Are you finding that this this for you as well?
5: Yeah, I think boundaries have really changed a lot. So we used to have, um, you know, if you're talking about a family or or a marriage or a partner relationship, uh, we used to have breaks from each other more. If we if we were um, if we're quarantined now or we're staying home a lot, there was a natural time when we would be out of the house and away, or we could get away. You know, sometimes you know I'm, I'm a mom. I've got a 16 year old. I would just go to the grocery store, and that would be entertainment for me and away from my husband and my son, who I love very much. But, you know, every minute of every day is hard. In fact, I have a story from earlier in the pandemic that really happened to me. And that was one time I went in to take a shower in in the bedroom and I was like, you know, just taking a nice relaxing shower. And my husband like burst in the room and was like, oh my God, this is like the taxes or something. I don't know what he was saying, but I was like completely startled. It kind of ruined that shower experience. And, and then I was really mad. And after I finished processing being so upset about it, I said, listen, we need real boundaries around showers. Like for me, that's a time <laughs> where, you know, have you seen Psycho? You know, I mean, like I just <laughs> really don't wanna be feeling like somebody, might burst in and either scream their anxieties at me or just tell me they're upset about something. I said, if, if nothing's on fire and nobody died, do not interrupt my shower. And so that's how, <laughs> that's how we do it in our household. But I think that we're, we may be a little bit just more conversant in that sort of boundary setting because that's a lot of what I do in my work. And so I will be able to say we need to set a boundary. It's so true. And um, Vanessa, I heard you bring up your work
3: and we really want our listeners to understand what it is an occupational
5: therapist does. Can you take us through it? I would love to. Most people are either confused by the name occupational therapy or have not, or have have had occupational therapy in their life in one way, but not another. So occupational therapy is a very broad profession and we address physical and uh, mental health problems. We look at people from the whole person aspect of things. And we really try to help people to live a a great quality of life uh, and um, to live their lives to the fullest. And uh, that can look like a lot of different things. I can definitely see how having that during
3: a global pandemic is a really beneficial way to live. Vanessa, you have a system for helping us um, assess our daily activities so that we can distinguish behaviors and habits that are beneficial to our well-being from those that are not so beneficial. Can we do this with you? Can we go through this? Absolutely. Uh, So there's a good way to look at whether we're
6: sort of aligning with our values and um, getting our needs and wants met. And a good way to do that is to look at your day with 24 hours in it. I often recommend making a circle like a, like a pizza pie, and then cut it into 24, uh, admittedly uh, small slices. And then to mark out Some areas of function that we do each day um, and that, you know, are sort of reliable. So those would be in the way of self-care, you know, um, getting dressed, um, taking a shower, brushing your teeth, doing things like that. Eating um, can be a separate category. Preparing food could be a separate category child care, things that we have to do that are required in our day, and then things that we uh, want to do that are fairly important to us, uh, but uh, might be less required, but they're significant. So let's see, you know, it might be communicating with friends. We want to do that. But if we had to set it aside, we could. So then we want to just look at each of these different categories. And then the last category being things that we do that take up time in our day uh, that um, are more leisure oriented. Um, Oh, I forgot to throw in the exercise. I really think exercise is is one that um, people spend time on and they don't realize they're spending time on it. Or sometimes they want to spend more time on it. So finding um, the balance between all of these different things can be done by color coding that chart of activities and then looking at how much is spent on each one just as a quick
3: visual shot. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense. I think it's so important to note that, I mean it's going to differ for each individual. You had, I heard you speak about, you know, if it's an essential worker on their way to work, their, their pie chart's going to look completely different from a school teacher or really anyone with anyone's life is so different. And I, I was trying to do this. I heard I heard this activity and trying to slice my life into 24 different little pies. And I what I found my problem was, was that I was I had different colors on each. I'm I'm multitasking. Essentially, I'm doing too much at the same time. Mm -hmm. I'm throwing in a load of laundry and I'm also trying to cook. And then I'm also trying to answer emails. And I would love to know. Is this part of the problem that we're all home now and there's a mix between work and play and family life? And is this adding to this feeling of being overwhelmed? We're not solely focused on one thing.
6: Yes, in a word, (laughs) it really is a very tremendous stress to be at home when you didn't used to be at home as you know, because I agree with you. We're talking to a lot of different people in the audience. So if we're talking to somebody who's home more, And they have all of those home tasks that are before them, laundry, um, making a more complete dinner than you might typically do, or making your kids lunches for tomorrow or what have you. Um, It's very tempting to start doing those things all the time. And I love how you said you had overlaps because that is a great realization in and of itself. There are so many personal realizations that you can make if you just take a couple of steps back. And I want to also remind the audience and you, Kayla, as well, um, if you're doing this and feeling any sense of judgment or regret about it, that this is not about judging yourself and finding yourself wrong. It's about looking at your life and seeing, oh, what are the areas where I think I might like to have a change? Or what are things that may be causing me some anxiety or some stress that I didn't even realize? So I love that you realize that you're doubling down on, on tasks. I think that's
4: extremely relatable. And it's not that easy to do (laughs) without getting stressed. I, I think the one element of this, though, that is, uh, probably the hardest for anyone to really deal with is like the amount of schedule changes that are really out of our control. Mm -hmm. I mean, all I can speak from really is my own personal experience. So, um, you know, what I'll say is how you would usually allot your time if you do have kids and they would be in school um, and you would be working or you would have that time for self-care or house management. Mm -hmm. That time now goes to, especially with younger children, you're sitting down and you're helping them with their work and making Mm -hmm. sure the zoom call works and, and that their work is able to be turned into their teacher. Um, Mm -hmm. also if you are a teenager right now, something that you might find would have been really relaxing, like something that I'm finding with our teenagers, I have two teenage stepdaughters and, um, they're both in high school. One is a freshman in high school, her first Mm -hmm. year in, in high school is throughout this pandemic. And Mm -hmm. something that she usually would have done to kind of decompress from the day would be like, watch some Netflix on her computer. But she's Mm -hmm. just spent all day staring at that screen. um, And that's become more of a, as opposed to a means of relaxation, kind of like a stress inducing activity. And so Mm -hmm. it's just kind of like, these are not, no, no, she didn't want to be taking classes on a computer all day. And, and, and parents who don't want to be sitting next to their children, helping them get through the day, they would much rather be doing other activities, but that's what they have to do right now. So how does that play into kind of navigating mental health when there are things that aren't really within your control to be able to say that you want to do? Um, it's because you have to do them right now
6: yeah uh, it it makes so much sense and uh, I am you know a, a, a technique that I use uh, frequently with people and I teach it is acceptance and commitment based therapy, which is really about how to look at your life and see what can change and what can't change. I mean, so for example, if we talk about your your teenager who spent all day on the computer and ordinarily would be, you know, maybe like FaceTiming or whatever with friends after school, like that's what she's done all day, so that's not going to work. How does she get the quality of life that she wants and the quality of social interactions that she wants? within the the boundaries of the pieces of the puzzle that that we can move. I, I think the thing that people are struggling with, and it's a very valid struggle, is there are a lot of weird puzzle pieces that can't be moved around right now that have just been yeah. imposed
4: upon us. We lost a lot of control. And that's hard for people. Yeah, because even if you say, you know, she's she luckily has the wherewithal to say. You know, what? I'm going to go take a walk right now. I'm going to go walk the dog. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get outside. Mm-hmm. So she, I'm we're really mm-hmm. proud in the way that all of our kids have been handling it because it's hard and it's not easy on them at all. Um mm-hmm. but there but it's not like, you know, okay, well, I'm going to go spend time with friends and for us, you know, we've had I was pregnant throughout the whole last year. So as someone more high mm-hmm. risk, it was just the we all of that had to be taken into consideration, essentially. So mm-hmm. it was really tough. And and I think that is a part of like how much is out of our control right now and and yeah. feeling like this is it. There's no other options. And how do we deal with it emotionally when there is no other outlet? And and you kind of are reliant on going with inside yourself. And mm-hmm. um And having to do that Mm -hmm. when you're in your 30s is one thing. Having to do that when you're a teenager is one thing. Having to do that when you're surrounded by family is one thing. Having to do that when you're alone is a whole other thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there like a through line or a byline from uh, clients that you've sat down with um, through therapy, uh, various therapy sessions like that you've heard? Is there kind of like something that everyone is feeling that is universal or is everyone's circumstance so different that it's hard to kind of keep up from someone in your position? Hmm.
6: I I think the universal aspect of things is that we are all being presented with a situation that is completely out of our control, just like I mentioned before, and as you're talking about as well, we, you know, there are so many things and so many more things than we're used to that are beyond the control that we once had. And so I would say the, you know, that through line or something that's common for all people is everyone is struggling with um, be, having this imposed change upon them very suddenly and um, not something that they wanted to have happen. And so people are really being challenged like never before in terms of what do I do when I'm in a situation that I cannot Control and I, but I have to accept it. And I, I'll tell you the um, the spoiler alert here is that um, you have to either be miserable or accept it or work towards acceptance. And acceptance is not approval. Those two things are not the same thing. So if you accept a situation that you don't like, it doesn't mean you're like, yay, I'm so happy this happened. It means that you are saying, I'm going to stop fighting and I'm going to find a way. To to live my life. Um, and, and this isn't about necessarily being happy, Be, live my life with some comfort or to look towards the future, but also stay in today. So yeah, that is a very universal feeling of loss of control for so many people I talk to. And you know, I, I listen to this podcast. I, I love podcasts. I hear it all the time. So it is a
3: big struggle,
6: not uncommon.
3: Hey, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute.
2: This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at MintMobile.com/switch.
1: Forty-five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at MintMobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card.
3: They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix. My favorite is the peach mango flavor. back. So what is our ultimate goal then in all this? Because the we I totally understand, like just accepting the circumstances and understanding that there's only so much we can do, but there is a part of me that always wants to try, and I don't want to necessarily control the situation, but to try to make it better if I can. So mm-hmm. are there any ways that we can actively do that? What is the ideal? Experience look like. I, just, mm. am I making sense? My question <laughs> is that question making sense? Absolutely, no. It's a
6: t- very good question. That one I can't
3: answer for
6: everyone. Um, mm-hmm. and say what their. I mean, obviously, I don't think. Um, we really mean to be like asking what's the ideal situation for every single person, but I, I think the right. question about how do we how do we cope when things are not going our way is a universal question. I mean, I don't, I haven't, I don't know if you guys know a lot of people with perfect lives, but I've never met anybody with a perfect life. And so we always are, you know, presented with circumstances that we don't want. And sometimes they're imposed upon us and um, you know, like an illness or, or a pandemic or um, you know, the breakup of a relationship or, or anything like that, or the loss of a job, so these are skills that we um, we have some uh, you know ability to speak to, but we we have never been asked as a society to do it. So generally like, Oh, you just have to accept this. And the word just has a, is um, just accept is um, really a, uh, I would, I say it myself, but I, I would take that out of the equation. I would say work towards acceptance um, because we will waste a lot of energy fighting the circumstances. Let me give you an example. So if I were to um, every day, wake up and say, God damn it, this freaking pandemic, I can't believe this is horrible. Um, and then I were to spend an hour and a half of my day just sort of being miserable about it and really thinking about how angry I am about everything. I mean, I that's my choice. I could do that. Or I could spend that hour doing things that um, add value to me or help me feel more stable. So things like taking that walk that your daughter took. Great idea. Um, doing things that either distract us, sometimes distraction is good, or ground us in this very moment. So those things are like meditation, deep breathing, taking a bath, or, or doing things that kind of bring us back to right now. Um, so it, it depends on where you're at in, in the moment. I, I do not want to sound like I'm a, um, everything has to be positive and great kind of person. Rather, I'm saying like, This is how it is for us. And the way that we allow things to be how they are is to literally allow them to be how they are and then see how we can function around the corners of that problem. Um, I'm not sure if that's too sort of broadly based, but that's how I would look at it.
4: As an occupational therapist, what was your focus pre-pandemic? What were you working on most often with your clients?
6: Uh, I always looked with people at their mental health, but my prior to the pandemic and my life has changed a lot with the pandemic. I was working full time in a uh, cancer center. I worked with uh, women with breast cancer and people with other types of cancers. I have an expertise in dealing with swelling conditions. And so that, and I was like the content expert where I worked with that. So I taught other people and I, and I treated patients who had swelling conditions and also just dealing with cancer. And so, and that was a face-to-face interaction day-to-day helping people. But I never really was able to separate out the mental health aspect of um, any sort of treatment because we really are just our minds and our bodies are connected. So there was always some of that, too. But my my efforts were more working you know, immediately before the pandemic and for a number of years working in a cancer center uh, and helping people survive those sort of circumstances.
4: What did that treatment look like when you would go into the room to sit down with a cancer patient?
6: Everyone is going through something similar, and um, when you talk about cancer, uh, people don't want to have cancer. It is an interruption in our lives. It's like a personal pandemic, right? And then some people have been, you know, struck with cancer or are dealing with cancer during the pandemic, and so it always would come up. You know, people would talk about the experience of living with cancer. Uh, sometimes it would just literally be sitting with a patient and listen to them. Uh, tell me about their experience and uh, cry about it or be sad about it or angry about it. Sometimes holding those emotions with someone would be a lot of the treatment with people. Sometimes it would be very practical. It would be like, I am so tired. I'm a hundred times more tired than I usually am because I'm having radiation. So how am I going to live my life? How am I going to get to my job? What am I going to do? What sort of adjustments am I going to make in order to live around this? I think it's, it's a really interesting and excellent analogy to think about, you know, the pandemic is, is sort of um, the experience of having a serious illness in a way, even if you never get COVID or no, even know anybody who has COVID, it's still the experience of uh, having something thrust upon you in your life that you can't change. And so you can either accept it uh, or you can grieve it. You can go through various stages. So always the components of the treatment included talking about that grief process of, you know, I, I, have this situation and I didn't want it to be that way. And how am I going to cope with it and deal with it? And then we would do very specific things to help. So if someone has swelling or pain, we would deal with that area. I did some hands-on type treatments for lymphedema. That's the condition I'm talking about. So we would address the physical thing too. And again, really great analogy because just because you're sad about something doesn't mean there's not something physical or that you, or something that you can't change um, in order to make things better. Like if we were to go to the laundry, I'm going to go way back and go to the laundry example where you're doing the laundry and cooking dinner at the same time, there are ways to look at those activities at the same time and say like, Oh, is this bringing me more quality for me to be running back and forth between the kitchen and the laundry room to be doing my laundry? Or should I just let the laundry, um, Sit for an extra ten minutes so I can cook dinner, and then um, I'll put it aside later. I know that that I hope that wasn't too jumbled up, but it, it is a lot of um, similar things that you brought up. As a matter of fact,
4: yeah, no, and this idea that it, you know, even if you are in a position where you have not had COVID or know anyone who has um, passed from COVID, you know, this is something globally that has affected everyone. And the reality is, I mean, if you turn on the TV, every other commercial is geared more towards mental health. And, you know, that is something to note. And and the fact that suicide rates increased during economic downturns and the social unrest and, you know, the the election of last year. And
0: there's uh-huh. been a
4: lot that I think as a society we're holding on to internally that, ha- you know, is you're we're starting to feed seen addressed, you know, in commercials on TV, where I think uh-huh, there's like an app uh-huh. for meditation that literally their whole commercial is just silence with like some rain sounds, <laughs> you know, just like, <laughs> this is what everyone needs yeah. right now. Just like, here's 30 seconds of rain sounds. And it's always so soothing when it comes on. Um, but so when the pandemic hit, did you, did you see then a shift? I mean, obviously you had to shift towards people, calling you you had to do uh, therapy sessions with clients online Mm -hmm. did you feel like given your experience having worked in specifically a cancer unit that that you felt like you were ready to take on sitting down with clients to talk them through their experiences with the pandemic while also experiencing it for yourself for the first time
6: you know, it was really, really hard. And, um, my personal experience is that, you know, the, um, with, with, with the pandemic coming on, um, there were so many changes that had to happen really quickly. I'm the kind of person who is like, a, they call it an early adapter. Like I'm the kind of person who's like, Oh, there's a change I'm going to change. And so I could see almost immediately, and we're, and we're here in March. It was like March 12th. I was going to be going to a conference, the professional conference. They canceled the conference. And at that time, I was like, oh, my goodness, we are really in trouble here. And we started talking very early. So I, we uh, formed a committee where I was working about um, doing video visits. And people were really hesitant. The work that I do, um, I work very closely with physical therapists. So I'm an occupational therapist. Um, physical therapists and occupational therapists put their hands on people. And so it was really terrifying to have to be like, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to touch somebody to help them. I'm not going to be able to put my hands on them. I'm not going to be face to face with them. But as it turns out, and probably partially because I'm like the kind of early adopter type, I was involved in, in building our telehealth practice where I was working, and uh, I thought it was tremendously effective. People, I had cancer patients who were like, "This is so great! Now I don't have to leave my work to come here early, uh, and I can have my treatment." It changed how we delivered therapy. But again, great, you know, great opportunity for analogy here. You know, there are changes that are going on in the world. And what I read a lot about in the news and everything is a, a lot of resistance to change. And I mean, if I wanted to give a message to um, everybody listening, I would say to the best of your ability, look at how change can improve things in your life and how it can improve the things for the people around you. I mean, we brought up the election process. Um, there was tremendous uh, unrest over the summer, and um, but that brought to light you know, a lot of things about disparities, economic, socioeconomic, socioeconomic um, racial disparities that have opened up really important conversations. We have such a long way to go as a society, obviously, and so many things to work on. But I think I'm seeing a lot of people resisting, I have a certain amount of resistance and saying, I want things to go back to the way they were. And I, I think the the thing that's certain is, they're not exactly going back the way they were. We're we're all different now. And so how do we uh, allow ourselves to adjust and change without spending um, inordinate amounts of time wishing that it was not going to change or wishing it was some way that it's not? That's, you know, it's not a one-day process. That, That takes time. But it's a good place to start to just ask yourself, what am I wishing was not so? And is it possible for me to change it? And if
3: not, how can I stop resisting the change? Ooh, I love that. Thank you. I'm definitely <laughs> going to utilize <laughs> that. Um, um, you know, I, I think there there is a lot of change happening. We are now a year uh, just a little bit past mm-hmm. a year um, of the pandemic. And we've all been quarantined mm-hmm. for a year, which is an ex- mm-hmm. exorbitant amount of time. I know when it first hit, all of us thought, oh, we'll be like this for a month maybe. And then it kept mm-hmm. maybe maybe six months. But now we're a year in and there is some hope on the horizon. But yet mm-hmm. we're, we still know we're going to have to be stuck in this for a little while. Um, I've mm-hmm. been reading a lot about mm-hmm. the major concern Is that there's an increase in mental health problems, right? But they will, that Mm -hmm. not only will they, are they increased for the current time, but they will persist for years to come Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. of the uh, economic downturn that our nation, all nations have been facing. Um, What can Mm -hmm. we do? right now to help our future selves? Because we know, like you said, accepting that things will be completely different. years um, mm-hmm. will never go back. It will never go back to the way it was. So what can we do now to mm-hmm. help our future selves be the best they can be and, and to accept all this?
6: I think that, uh, you know, I'm a big proponent of meditation. And I think that um, a lot of people shy away from the idea of meditation and mindfulness. Uh, but I would really recommend it and not in the traditional ways that um, people are turned off by it. So, for example, you know, um, there's lots of ways that we can meditate and that we actually are meditating or meditative in our own lives. Um, the, you know, when, when we're um, washing the dishes in the evening or whatever, whenever we're doing it, if you just instead of talking to people or listening to music, or even if there's a lot of noise going on around you, tuning into what's happening in that moment can be really helpful and spending some time each day trying to do a little bit of mindfulness. Uh, there's a simple mindfulness activity that you can do anywhere at any time. And that would be like name five uh, things that you uh, five shapes that you can see, name four colors name the three things that you can hear, name two things you can smell, and take one deep breath. That sort of mindfulness um, o- done over time, repeated over time, can help you to just learn how to tune into this moment. Because a lot of anxiety is about living in the future or living in the past, but not being stepped into this moment. And so people really experience a lot of pain You know, uh, from that, you know, from the worrying and the anxiety, what what if what will be and uh, the uncertainty of the pandemic has just magnified those experiences for everyone. No one likes uncertainty. And so I would say mindfulness is a way to be certain in the moment that you exist and that this experience is happening
3: right now. Mm Yeah, I guess there's no easy answers. (laughs) I mean, there isn't because we're not in an easy situation. There is no easy answer. Mm -hmm. And that's really what we're talking about today. I mean, I Mm -hmm. know for me, I'm constantly just trying to find comfort, to take comfort in the little things, no matter what that is. And Candace and I were talking on the phone this weekend about it. And I was being really honest with her about how, you know, I love to cook for my family. It's something I do. And it's it's something I feel like I can do so that it finds, I find comfort in it and I'm providing comfort for them. But what I've been struggling mm-hmm. with is it's kind of the fun thing to do. So I've been, you know, obviously choosing things that are not so healthy and it was fun in the beginning, but now it's just become the new norm. And so we're not as healthy as we used to be. And, you know, you mentioned exercise being great. And so, um, I'm trying to figure out that balance, um, and to try and find moderation within that. And, um, a lot, I know a lot of people, I hear about it all the time. People are not being as healthy through quarantine. Um, mm-hmm. I know that it's mental, that it's also mental. Is there anything you can do to help me and my family and anyone else that's kind of finding this struggle a year into all of this? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I may have a really disappointing answer for you, Kayla. <laughs> oh, no. The
6: answer, <laughs> here we go. My My answer is maybe... Get off of your own back a little bit about this. Um, it it might be okay right now that, you know, you're making, um, cheese fondue or whatever, (laughs) you know, like you're choosing that. It might be okay instead of, we don't change well. we don't change anything well if we're busy beating ourselves up. And so you know, not to beat a dead horse here, but the um, the acceptance piece is is pretty huge. What I would say is if you are awake out of bed and doing your work um, like we're doing the podcast today today, you have done a good job. and I think finding the value in what you're doing, you're cooking for your family, Good for you now that doesn't mean that you cannot change uh, there's another technique that I work with frequently with people um, It's called motivational interviewing, and that is finding the way to change uh, that works for you so the therapist goes from being like the expert person like where Kayla says to Vanessa um. You know, how do I change and, and start making healthy meals again for my family instead of like all the treats that we like that we find comforting or whatever? And I and we talk about that for a while, but instead of me uh, being the person who knows the answers, I go into sort of a coaching mode and, and talk with you about where are the pros and cons of this. And we look at that decision making and we try to figure out, you know, is this a change that is really important to you or is it is is there something underlying the need to change change this? What is it? What's the feeling about? And then if it is something that you want to change, developing a reasonable goal and and plan. And so, you know, without knowing, you know, all of the motivations for, for folks out there who are just simply saying, now, I really want to stop having frozen pizza for dinner three nights a week for my family or something like that. Um, and I, I would prefer to get more, uh, you know, put more vegetables into our diet. You know, keep it simple. Keep it simple. If you want to put more vegetables into your diet, you know, maybe just put some broccoli um, uh, or, or uh, celery sticks on the side of the plate if that's what you want to do. But don't be, you know, giving yourself a beating about how you're not doing a good job about something that you're actually you are doing a good job about. Like you're providing food and comfort to your family You may just want to make an adjustment um, and look at the goals of what you're doing, but not not from a way of disapproving of yourself, because it it doesn't really help you to create a change, if you know what I mean.
4: (laughs) I think what's going to be really tough that we don't maybe necessarily anticipate right now is the emotional stress that comes afterwards, you know, um like the post-traumatic stress of having been through a pandemic. And my husband and I talk about this a lot, like, okay, we're still in it right now. We see the light at this point, you know, vaccines have been distributed, you know, there, a lot of people have had it and we, there's a lot more science we know for the people who maybe have not had extreme cases with antibodies that, keep them safe for a few amount of months, you know, post, I mean, you're able to get tested much more easily. The accessibility is there. Um, Still a lot. We don't know, but there's a lot more. We do know a year later. Um, My question is for, you know, a year from now in like 2022 and then a year from then in like 2023, like looking back and realizing how stressful, being in a pandemic was realizing how many lives were lost. Um, and, and also mourning the things that we weren't able to experience with our loved ones, you know, whether it's Mm -hmm. weddings or, or relationships that have dissolved because the stress of the pandemic was too much within a marriage or a relationship or between family members. Um, you know, people who were not who were unable to attend funerals of family members you know high school seniors who never had a prom which sounds so frivolous on one hand but that you know you think back to your own youth every high school movie is about prom or mm-hmm. or like that's it, that's it you know that mm-hmm. whole experience mm-hmm. and so it's it's the, it's mourning the things that were lost whether it was mm-hmm. time loved ones um yourself mm-hmm. and and how we navigate that period, like that's what I'm starting to think about right now. Now mm-hmm. that I see the light, a year later, do mm-hmm. I mean is there anything that you have to say to that, or do you think about that? Does that come up in your um, in your work right now? Yeah,
6: I, I think that people are beginning to look at what things will look like when we can, like you know, go out of our houses more when we can, um, you know, be just. You know, be more, you know, I hate to say the word normal, but we can, you know, get a sense of normalcy again uh, without all of this extremely frightening, you know, death tolls and people being sick and ICUs being filled and everything like that. And we, you're right, we are moving in, in the right direction. And I would say that, you know, grief is a process. And I think that a lot of the mental health issues that we're seeing right now are about grief. You know, grief has, um, there are ways of looking at grief um as a cycle you know and it includes anger depression sadness bargaining um and uh, the one I can't think of the word where you um pretend it's not happening denial mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't even remember <laughs> the word denial so <laughs> you know the grief process will, the um i think we're in it already and as we get back into our lives i think a, a good piece of advice to follow would be to be aware of the fact that that when things start to let's say speed up or we're doing more things outside of our houses or we can really safely go and I don't know have a dinner party or or send send our kids like to a more you know unknown friend's house or something like that that might cause anxiety and or what have you or send our kids back to school full time that we will inevitably be grieving and that instead of expecting ourselves to be like super happy and um, think everything's great now that everyone's allowed to do indoor dining again, or or whatever it is that they've been really missing. My family misses going, um, you know, places like there's, uh, you know, this lovely place called the Desert Botanical Garden. We haven't been there in a year um, in Arizona. Um, And so, Instead of thinking, wow, this is going to be so awesome, just to kind of put your toe in the water and say, you know, it's okay if this feels really weird or anxiety provoking. In fact, a lot of um, folks are expressing concerns about having to go back to their lives. That's what I'm hearing a lot of, a fair amount of anxiety about, like, I don't know how to... Reengage in my life and I would say that staying focused in the now is really a good idea but also understanding that it just may not be that easy to pick up where you left off and um, it's okay that it's not easy just try to take the baby steps think about how you would break it down for uh, a small child like what would you expect them to do when it's their first day of school but for us it's like getting back into the world
3: that's such great advice. Thank you. I'm writing down what you're saying as as you're saying it so that I can take it and put it into um, my life. You know, I think it's important to discuss how you do these telehealth sessions and consultations mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. um, during the pandemic that is we talk about pivoting all the time in, in our careers. And it seems like since the pandemic, you've had to truly adapt and pivot into something Mm -hmm. new and you're doing um, telehealth consultations. And what has that been like? And what is, has there been a common struggle with people? And also I want to make sure our listeners know that it's something that you can, that, that their initial telehealth consultation is free, correct? Yes. Yeah, I, well,
6: first of all, so I practice in Arizona and actually I'm getting licensed in Connecticut too, because I've been doing some work in Connecticut. It's, you know, one of these things with the pandemic is like, things get very, you know, like far flown because we can do telehealth across state lines. Um, I'm always interested in, you know, uh, getting licensed in other states if I find that I have a a big call for folks who need me somewhere else. Um, But yes, I do do a free consultation through my, uh, website um, and I do that via video. And um, on those initial consultations, we talk about what sort of things occupational therapy could help a person with. Because I find that you know of all the mental health interventions, occupational therapy is not a thing that people think of when they say like, "Gee, I need a therapist. What am I going to do to help myself? Let me see if I can find an occupational therapist." Um, it, they they don't say people don't say that. They say I want a counselor or what have you. So an Occupational therapist. What I do in a telehealth consultation is I, we talk about um, even in initial consultation, what's going on in your life, what what are the things that you're feeling, you know, uncomfortable about, and what sort of things are. Um, are things that you're wanting to change or what are the areas that are difficult uh, for you right now. And then we can develop a plan that includes like really practical things that you can do to help yourself. That's where that motivational interviewing comes from. I would say nine times out of 10, people are saying to me, I want to exercise. I want to eat better. I always hear that. So that's a real constant. Um, But I also hear, I want to feel less anxious. I want to have fewer panic attacks. Um, So, you know, it runs the gamut uh, for people and, um, you know, occupational therapy certainly can work with somebody seeing a psychiatrist or a psychotherapist, but it can also be a standalone therapy if a person needs to be kind of coached through these very, very difficult pandemic uh, type challenges. And it works well on video because, again, it doesn't it doesn't involve me putting my hands on you. It involves us talking about what are you going to do for the next Um, hours uh, between this session and the next time I talk to you. So um, a lot of coaching, um, listening and supporting, and then helping people get to the lifestyle that they want.
4: And what do you say to any of our listeners right now who've never been in therapy and who are thinking, oh, you know, maybe, I don't know, I feel like that would be weird, or I'm scared, or I'm hesitant, Um, and also, or those who are worried about the financial costs of therapy, Uh, do you have advice for anyone listening right now? Yes, that is a terrific question. I I have run into uh,
6: patients over and over again who say, I'm not sure if I can afford this when I have... um been in like the free consultation with them. And I say, well, I have a sliding fee scale (laughs) and people say they don't know what that is. So for anyone who doesn't know what a sliding fee scale is, it is um, when the therapist charges X amount of money, if you can't afford that amount of money, the therapist can look at your finances with you, not deeply, you know, it's not like a a, a deep dive there um, and find out what you can afford to pay for therapy. For me right now, I'm trying to work with anybody who needs therapy. Um, to help them to be able to afford the help because I just that's my sort of moral ethical obligation from my point of view as a therapist plus I have uh, you know a fairly new practice and so I have the ability to take on uh, more people and I just I do love to help people. So the sliding scale question is a very good question. For somebody who's looking for therapy, um, there are various therapist directories. Like I'm listed on PsychologyToday.com, but there are others as well. And uh, my experience is certainly, um, you know, if somebody contacts me, the consultation is free to begin with. It's it's uh, you know 20, 20 25 minutes of talking, and that's an opportunity to see somebody face to face. Um, on a computer screen and just talk a little bit. And if that person doesn't feel like comfortable or what they say doesn't sound comfortable or what you're looking for, you just get to say, okay, you know, you can close the video and and say goodbye and never talk to them again and have no obligation. I think that's a great way to try out therapy. I I hear that. I love that you ask that because I hear it all the time. I'm scared to contact somebody. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. The therapist's job is to help you to know what to do and you, all you have to do is click on the video and then the therapist should be able to help you. And if you are unable to be helped by that person, then you say, okay, let me try somebody else. Uh, so I recommend the free consultation uh, for sure for people. And, um, and take your mental health seriously because, you know, our mental and our physical health are very, very closely linked together. Um, More stomach aches, headaches, uh, shoulder pain, um, knee pain, things like that. All sorts of things are coming up and being more significant nowadays because people are really stressed. And when our minds are stressed, our bodies are stressed too.
3: Vanessa Grelkin, thank you so much for joining us and giving us all your wisdom and helping us um, continue to stay sane through this very hard and
4: trying time. My pleasure. It's so good to talk to you guys today. I hope it was helpful. Where can our listeners find you on social media or if they want to reach out to you to potentially work with you? Well, on um, on Instagram and
6: TikTok, I'm even on TikTok. Um, <laughs> it's Vanessa Gorelkin OT. That's my handle. So that's V A N E S S A G O R E L K I N O T. Um, and my website is my name, so it's just Vanessa Gorelkin dot V A N
4: E S S A G O R E L K I N I think the biggest takeaway is to remember that this past year has been very difficult for everyone, uh, no matter where you fall within the scale, but we all have to make sure that we find a way to get help and we have to talk about it. We have to, we can't just hold it all in. And it's, I think, a good thing to hear that so many people are reaching out finally to get help and have a place to work on their mental health and that is more socially acceptable not only socially right. acceptable but socially encouraged and because of a sliding scale therapy can even be more affordable than you'd think it would be
3: right it's so true and that's such a positive that has come out of such a dark experience i just what she said that be aware when things go back to normal that they're still not normal and that is such good advice. And I know you mentioned that too, Candace, that you and Joe had been talking about that. And I'm realizing that's something we have yet to discuss or realize in our household is that when things, quote unquote, go back to normal, it still won't be normal because there is so much PTSD that will come from having experienced what we all experienced on different levels and to not have expectations of what life will be like.
4: And just if you're listening to this and and you do feel the need to reach out for help, there's also wonderful support groups. You know, we've had other specialty episodes where we've referenced free support groups and websites that you can visit more specific to addiction or eating disorders, uh, but definitely want to just reference, you know, different groups like the National Alliance on Mental Illness. There is um, National Eating Disorders Association, which we've discussed before, of course, Alcoholics Anonymous. There is a Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance. There's tons of free resources at your fingertips if you just go online. There's so many online therapy services and government-funded community-based healthcare centers that can provide you with the care and the help that you need. So it's so important to remember that those resources are out there and available. And that you're not alone, that we're all in this together
3: and we're all feeling it. And each day will be different. Each hour will be different. And it's okay. We hope you guys enjoyed our episode of Directionally Challenged. We have another great one coming next week. We'll see you then. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions. Producer Melissa Demonts. Edited by
4: Katrina Henning. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. Music by Joe King and advertising partnership with Acast.